Tonight we are 94 nights in to our Bible study entitled, So Loved, The Good News of Jesus. I liked this name before we started three months ago. In fact, I love the name before we started. But I want to tell you tonight, I had no idea how perfect it was going to be. I had no idea how spot on it was truly going to be. Friends, understand tonight, we are so loved. We are so loved. Every time I think I have a handle on how loved we are, that handle comes loose. Understand, it is immeasurable how loved we are. It is unimaginable how loved we are. And that's what we've seen in these 94 days going through God's Word. We are so loved. Now, not only that, we truly have good news. Now, in our day, man, it looks like news is all bad, that we can't, we can't really find any good news. But listen, as we've gone through these 94 days, we see we have good news in Jesus. That is not a saying. That is not a slogan. We truly have good news in Jesus. I'll tell you, every time I think I have a handle on how good the news of Jesus is, it comes loose. And the good news is better than I thought it uh, was to begin with. Friends, we have good news in Jesus, and it is so, so good. Well, tonight, listen, if it is possible, it gets better. If it is possible, I'm telling you, it truly does get better. Tonight, our sermon is entitled, The Marvelous Message of a Mouth Redeemed. The Marvelous Message of a Mouth Redeemed. Tonight, we're in John chapter 20. Tonight, verses 11 through 18. John chapter 20, continuing along, verses 11 through 18. The Marvelous Message of a Mouth Redeemed. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 11, God's Word says this, But Mary was standing outside the tomb, weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. We truly worship you today. We're thankful for a Monday night that we can come and assemble as your people, assemble as those redeemed 
and the blood and the finished work of our Savior, Jesus. People tonight that have a hope that lasts tonight, a foundation that stands tonight in this messed up world, we praise you for that. Lord, I'm thankful for 94 times to hear of your great love. 94 times in your grace and your kindness to hear of your gospel. And Lord, I pray the impact has blessed you and has been pleasing to you and is useful to you. I pray that tonight and these final nights will be no different. Lord, I pray that you would move, that you would work. I pray that it would be tremendous. I pray that it would be a supernatural event that you would speak tonight. I pray that all the glory would go to you. I pray for some that do not know you. I pray in the hearing of the gospel, the good news, knowing it is the power of God unto salvation. I pray that in this very night, on this Monday night, the people turn to you and they receive you in faith. Again, we just praise you and we thank you. We trust this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The message of our gospel is that no sin is too great for God to forgive. Is that the reality that we find in Jesus? The message of our gospel is that all people are valuable, that all people are beloved by God, that they're all loved by God. Is that the reality that we see in Jesus? Is that what he showed us? The message of our gospel is that God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't show favoritism to some and yet not to others. He doesn't favor some group or, or some people to the exclusion of others. Is that the reality of Jesus? Is that how he lived as well? The message of our gospel is that whoever you are, you'll find peace and rest and hope in Jesus. Is that really how it was with Jesus? In our last few days, as we've looked slowly at the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, we have seen great is the testimony, great is the witness to our great gospel. We have seen in the last few days that the days are speaking, even the days had meaning. We have seen that the events are speaking, that each one is carrying forward the plan of God. We saw yesterday that the empty tomb is speaking. Well, tonight, as our actual history of the resurrection, the actual account of the resurrection continues to unfold, we see yet again, Jesus is who he claimed to be. The gospel is what it purports to be. And our good news is better than it seems to be. Now, I want to say that again. Tonight in our verses, we see once again, Jesus is who he claimed to be. The gospel is what it purports to be. And our good news is better than it seems to be. Now, let's go to our verses tonight. Remember the context. After the heavy, if not gruesome account of Jesus' death by crucifixion, and after the account of his burial, yesterday we read, we learned of his resurrection, where he has died for sin, actually died for sin, where he has died 
in the stead of sinners, in the place of sinners, now we find that he has triumphed over death. We find in our verses he is the victor over the grave. And just as he said, he is alive. Praise the Lord. He is risen. Yesterday we saw that upon going to the tomb, the grave, they find that it is empty. Bible tells us the grave cloths are there. The head covering is there. It is rolled up. It is orderly set to the side, but that the tomb is empty. Jesus is gone. Verse 8 tells us, upon seeing all of this, the apostle John gets it. It's like a light goes off. He sees it. Jesus had to die. Jesus had to be buried. Jesus had, the verse says, to rise again from the dead. And finally seeing the totality of the gospel all together, the Bible says he gets it. He believes it. He understands it. Verse 10 ends and it says the tomb is empty and the disciples go to their own homes. Now I've thought about that. That seems like a strange response but how long can they stand there? What were they waiting for? Jesus is gone. The tomb is empty. And after some time, the Bible says, they make their way back to their own homes. All right, that brings us to our verses tonight, beginning tonight in verse 11. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. Mary Magdalene, we find in scriptures, had a very busy morning. And the Bible says even before the sun comes up, she's made her way to the tomb. She is the first at the tomb. And the Bible tells us she is the one that sees that the stone is rolled away. Now at that point, she runs, and the word is she runs wide open all the way back to town. And there she tells Peter and John, what has happened? She says the stone is rolled away. She gives the best explanation she can. Somebody must have stolen his body. Once she tells them, the Bible says they run back to the tomb and that's when they find it empty. In the meantime, Mary Magdalene makes her way back to the grave. Now, I don't know. Hopefully she walks back this time. Maybe she runs back this time, but she makes her way back to the grave. Now, evidently, she does not run into the other women. The Bible says a group of other women have come with spices. Evidently, she doesn't run into Peter and John on their way back home. Somehow she misses them. But when she arrives at the tomb, when she arrives back at the grave, she is all alone. They have all left. John says it was then that she is standing outside of the tomb and weeping. Now, we need to understand the depth of that word. It is a Greek word for crying out loud. It is not whimpering. It's not sobbing. It is actually great weeping. She is crying out loud. She is consumed with grief, and there is great weeping as she stands outside of the tomb. Bible says as she is weeping, she now stoops over, and looks into the tomb. Now remember, it is the grave of Jesus. Remember, she's not sure what she's going to see there. But in her grief, she bends over and she looks into the tomb. Verse 12. 
And she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. Verse 12 says, when she looks into the grave, there are two angels. Bible says the only description, they are dressed in white. Now understand, I want to say this. Uh, angels in the, in the Bible do not have wings. Uh, angels do not have halos. That's a bunch of tradition. Uh, when she looks in, they look probably a lot like people, but they're there and they're dressed in white. One is sitting where the head of Jesus was, and the other is sitting where the feet of Jesus were. Jesus is not there. Now, that has to be an astonishing sight. She looks in. She sees the two angels. Jesus is not there. It's the same fact. Jesus is gone. Jesus is not there. Verse 13. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. Verse 13, the angels asked, woman, it's not a hard it's not a hard question. Woman, why are you weeping? I want you to see this in verse 13. She is crying. She is upset because she didn't have the truth. She is upset. She is crying because she did not know the truth. And so I want you to see, we see it in two places in this section, but what she was missing was the truth. You see, the truth is, he's alive. The truth is, he's paid for sin. The truth is, he has defeated death. Had she known the truth, she would have been fine. Her issue here, she's missing the truth. She doesn't know the truth. Verse 13 again. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Verse 14, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Now, she turns around and Jesus is standing there. The Bible says she does not recognize or she does not know that it is Jesus. Now, I do not know why, but there's a lot of speculation as to why she doesn't recognize Jesus. And there's folks that, that talk all about why she does not recognize Jesus. I, I read one that said she had tears in her eyes and she couldn't recognize Jesus. Another said that she, for some reason, could not perceive. Another said that, that he looked different than he did before because he was now in his resurrection body. Now, here's what I'll tell you. I think the reason that she doesn't recognize Jesus is simply because she didn't expect to see Jesus alive. That's what I believe. Just like John, he didn't fully understand. She doesn't fully understand. And so she doesn't expect to see Jesus. In fact, that would be the last thing that she would expect. And so when Jesus is standing there, it doesn't register, this is Jesus. Verse 15. Jesus said to her, <clears throat> woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Why are you weeping? 
Whom are you seeking, Jesus asked. What is wrong? Now, thinking he was the gardener, she says, Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where he's at, and I'll, I'll take care of him. I'll take him from here. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus says in verse 16, Mary. It actually is the word Miriam. It is Hebrew for Mary. Uh, it was the most popular female name of that day. It was the name of Moses' sister, Miriam. Miriam. It actually means, it translates, beloved. Beloved. Jesus says her name, Miriam, Mary, beloved. Earlier in the Gospels, it says that his sheep know when he calls their name. And so he says, Mary, Miriam. And she turns, the Bible says in Hebrew, she says, Rabboni. In Greek, we have the translation, it means teacher. In Aramaic, the language that they spoke, it translates, dear Teacher, most literal translation, teacher held dear. I want you to think about that. Teacher held dear. See this, when she recognizes it to be Jesus, the first words of her heart are teacher held dear. When, when, he, when she sees, when she understands this is Jesus, that's the first thing to come out. Teacher held dear. See, he was the one who brought her the truth. He was the one who deemed her worthy of the truth. It was the truth that had changed her life. It was the truth that set her free. He was the truth. And so now she knows he's alive. He's not dead. He's risen from the grave. This is he. He is alive. Verse 17. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. Let me read that verse again. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Now, verse 17 seems strange. It does not mean, now listen, it does not mean do not touch me. Now, there are some that interpret it to say that. There's others that teach that, that, that idea that there's some reason that she could not touch him. Actually, he tells the disciples, touch me. See that it is I. Touch me that you may believe. No, understand here, it is showing a change in how they relate. It is showing a change now post-resurrection in their relationship. Now understand what she is doing. She is clinging to him. She's not prepared to ever be separated from him again. She'll not ever lose him again. And so she is clinging to him with all that she has. He says, and that's the literal translation do not hold on to me. He says he still has to ascend to heaven, but he's telling her, will not be separated again. 
He's not going to die again. The Holy Spirit is going to come and fill her. After that, very soon, they will be eternally reunited. And so he's saying, you do not have to hold on to me like that. You do not have to cling to me. We will not be separated again. He tells her then, but go to my brethren, brothers, and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Now I want you to see what's happened here. In Christ, they have a new relationship with Christ. It's the same for us. In Christ, we have a new relationship with Christ. We are now the family of God. And so Jesus says, he is my father. He's also your father. And so we have a family relationship. It has changed how we relate to Christ after the resurrection. I'm going to stop right here tonight. We're going to look at verse 18 in a second. But I want to show you our Savior. I want you to listen very carefully. I want to show you our Savior. Now, I said it was going to get better tonight. I want to show you God's love tonight. I want to show you tonight the good news is better than we imagine. Listen, I believe it's to be good, but it's better than we imagine. I want you to see in our verses tonight, I'm going to show you Jesus is everything that he says that he is. I want you to stay with me. Now, do you remember the questions we started with? And the whole idea is this. Does Jesus come along and speak a bunch of grand words and not live them out? Does he have this grand gospel, a a gospel of grace, but he doesn't show it, he doesn't walk it out? Is Jesus who he says that he is? Is his gospel what he says that it is? I want you to see this. Mary Magdalene, was from a fishing town on the Sea of Galilee. That town was Magdala, Magdala, Magdala. She was actually Miriam of Magdala. That was her town, Miriam, Mary of Magdala. She is the first person that Jesus appears to. The very first person that Jesus meets after the cross of Calvary. Now, I want you to think about that. Of all the people, Miriam of Magdala, she's the very first person he meets after the cross of Calvary. That is no small thing, and I'm going to show you that is no coincidence. She is the very first person to see Jesus after his resurrection. Was it his mother? No. It was Miriam of Magdala. I want you to see this. First off, she is a woman. In this culture, women were viewed as second class, maybe worse. Women were viewed as less than. Women were viewed in their roles as a person that would serve men. Women were not taught the law, the word of God, as were men. Women could not testify in court. They could not testify in court Their voice was said to be not valid. Here's the deal. Their voice was not trustworthy. Now, they might give you some some ideas. They said they would talk to them. They would listen to them. But they could not testify as evidence in court. Their voice, you can't trust their voice. 
Simply they were considered less than. And it is to a woman that Jesus first appears. Now I want you to think about the weight of that. It's not to the high priest. He doesn't have a score to settle with him. It's not to the high priest. It's not to the Sanhedrin, a council of men. It's not to that council. It's not to Pilate, the Roman governor. He doesn't go find him. It's not to the disciples. It's not even to John. Jesus first appears to a woman. Listen to me tonight. Is the gospel for all people? Is Jesus prejudiced and not for some people? Look with me tonight. He first appears to a woman. But not just that. But a woman that the Bible reports had been filled with seven demons. She was found consumed and filled with evil itself. That's how she's recorded in Scripture. That's how she's known. For sure, those were the rumors that followed her around. Surely you've heard about her. Surely you've heard about her past. Have you heard about the town that she came from? I know the people there and what they say. And so her reputation preceded her. Listen to me. Is any sin too big? Are some people beyond the scope of his love? What if there are whispers about them in town? What if their reputation precedes them? Look with me. It is this Mary that he appears to first. I was thinking about Mary Magdalene, Miriam of Magdala. She found Christ. He delivered her from evil. In the truth, her life was changed. He so loved her. He thought her worthy of the truth. She called him teacher. That's how she identified him. The Bible says financially, she was one of several women that supported Jesus. The Bible says she wept as she walked behind Jesus on the hill to Golgotha. The Bible says she was at the crucifixion. She saw the horrible act. The Bible says she was the very first one at the grave of Jesus. She loved Jesus. I read she was a woman who after meeting Jesus gave her all to the Lord. I don't think that's it at all. I don't think that's it. I think this is a woman who after meeting Jesus found her all in the Lord. I think this is a woman that found everything in Jesus. Listen to me tonight. You see, Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the gospel. And the truth of Jesus is he takes what is broken he takes the pieces and he restores them and he forgives and he makes all things new. That is the gospel because that is Jesus. He takes what is shamed in sin. He takes what is burdened in guilt and watch this. He picks it up. He lifts us up and he dusts us off and he cleans us up, giving us his own beautiful righteousness to wear. That is the gospel because that is Jesus. And he does it because that's who he is. He does it because that is who his nature is. It's not because we earn it. It's not because we demand it. It's because to him, even in our sin, even in our brokenness, to him we were never less than. To him we were never 
less than precious. To him, we were never less than so loved. And that is our gospel because that is Jesus. Friends, if you want to know tonight if it's real, if you want to know tonight if he's true, look at this account tonight. He saves her. He loves her. And in a world that said her voice did not matter, he sends her to tell the world of his gospel. In a world that says your voice is so belittled, we cannot trust it, he picks her to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to verse 18. And Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Amen. And that he said these things to her. I want you to notice something here. We're about done. Her mouth testify, but her redeemed mouth itself is a testimony. Do you see how profound that is? Her mouth goes into town. I've seen the Lord, but her redeemed mouth by itself is a testimony. I want you to tell you that's true of us if we've trusted Jesus Christ. We walk around as living testimonies. Listen, no sin is too great. No distance is too far. No whisper follows you that would get ahead of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whoever you are tonight in Jesus, your redeemed mouth is a testimony to the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come, and I'm so thankful for this truth. And I'm so thankful you're not a hypocrite, not a fraud, not a big speaker, big talker, but that you are love, and you are truth, and you're integrity. And you're perfect, and you're perfect in word, you're perfect in deed, perfect in attitude, perfect in expression. And I pray, Lord, when we come to you, we turn to you as the gracious Savior of all people. We don't have to wonder if it includes us. We don't have to wonder if we've messed it up too bad to be included. You tell us, and now you show us. And so we praise you for your grace and your kindness and your love shown to all. Lord Jesus, we praise you. Lord, I pray for the church. We've been equipped tonight. We've been encouraged tonight. I pray, Lord, that we understand how loved we are. I pray that we'd be beacons of that love to a lost and dying world. Lord, I pray for somebody that doesn't know you tonight. I pray that in the hearing of this message and the truth of this actual account, that they would see how loved they are tonight. That you died in their place, died for their sin, and grace you offer them salvation by faith in you. Lord, we, we pray that tonight they would turn to you. They would receive you tonight to your glory and in your grace. Lord, we come, we're thankful for this evening. We're thankful for these words, thankful for this message. Pray as we conclude this time now, this time of invitation, that you would move, that you would work, that you would speak. I pray you'd be glorified in every piece of it. Lord, we love you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, this good news is, is the good news of this night. It has not changed all these years. It has not changed. No distance is too far. 
No sin is too great. God loves you. He sees you in your sin. And the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Not some checklist you have to impress people with, not some roll sheet, not, not some act that you have to trump up, but by faith in Christ, that he is our remedy, that he is our savior. The Bible says we are saved. If you've never trusted Christ, trust him tonight. Turn to him tonight. He'll save you tonight. This night, he'll save you. Turn to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've put your faith in Christ, but you never fought in believer's baptism. We want to give you an opportunity as well to say, you know what, I, I see what Christ says and in obedience to that. I want to be baptized to testify to who I am in Christ. Not as part of our salvation, but a, a symbol of it, a celebration of it. You come as well. We'll set a date. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you believe God has led you here. You've prayed about it. And you come as well. And together we'll serve upholding his word until he comes again. Maybe tonight on a Monday night, last week of this effort, maybe you want to come pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit, that you'd pray for those who are making decisions. As we stand to sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here.